we're back with another week to drop the gems. This week, Tina and I spoke with Sabrina Shaheen Cronin, who is a true role model for today's single working parent. She began her career as a musician and soon afterward became her rise as a successful attorney. Sabrina is now a nationally recognized motivational and public speaker, life and business strategist coach, writer, mentor, successful businesswoman, top attorney, visionary, and television personality. Sabrina is known as the shared parenting expert for her workshops, helping people cope with co-parenting dilemmas in today's challenging environment. Her expertise and legal background have her uniquely qualified to meld her knowledge of human nature, 20 years as a family law specialist, and background as a prosecutor to create and develop her own specialized proprietary curriculum in the form of weekly workshops. Sabrina's goal is to get acrimonious parents out of the courtroom and into her workshops, so they can develop the tools necessary to achieve happy and healthy homes for their family. Sabrina is the founder and managing partner of the Cronin Law Firm in Bloomingfield Hills, Michigan. Her online classes and workshops can be accessed nationwide on her website. Sabrina's ability to relate to and understand the legal process is what makes her workshops offering so valuable. She has created a much-needed niche in today's unprecedented world. Sabrina brings a wealth of information in the Lifestyle Makeover Coaching Course, which promotes and empowers self-growth, financial independence, finding purpose, and personal branding, which can benefit anyone looking to improve their level of happiness, self-esteem, and self-confidence. She can even help you recognize red flags in your relationships or how to find your power friends. Sabrina's passion is to empower, enlighten, and elevate you to not only succeed, but to fully thrive in life. In addition to her already busy schedule, Sabrina hosts a monthly Facebook and YouTube live series, The Cronin Challenge to Change, and The Cronin Law Show. Sabrina is licensed to practice law in Michigan, New York, and Illinois. She is a certified life coach and family law specialist. So without further ado, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to Loving Beyond the I Do Podcast. This power couple is building stronger marriages one day at a time. Talking about real issues on love, relationships, and marriage longevity. Let's break down the barriers and engage in healthy conversation with your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. Take a seat and buckle up because things are about to get real. Hey, 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 welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Loving Beyond the I Do. With your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. All right. So this week we have Sabrina Shaheen Cronin with us. And we're talking about some real conversations. She is an, a family attorney. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Right. And you deal with separation, divorce, things of that nature? Separation, divorce, prenuptials, child custody, child support, spousal support, which is also known as alimony, all of the above. 
Wow. Well, well, we about to get welcome. into some conversation here, boy. I think she's bringing the heat today. I'm keeping it real. That's right. <laughs> so how long have you been practicing? I've been a practicing attorney for over 25 years. Okay. And I've been focusing on family law for the majority of those years and um, more, you know, more specialized really the last 10 Okay. And what made you go into that field? Well, a lot of life and a lot of just, um, I believe it's just been a natural progression of who I am as a person and how I care about people. And an attorney in this area really has to be patient and have an understanding of relationships and really humanity in general. And, And it goes beyond a lot of the typical fighting over money or fighting, you know, over, you know, a personal injury case, for instance, because we're dealing about real lives and situations. And because I care so deeply about people and children, it was just a natural progression that happened over time. And I ask that because usually we get into fields that are close to us, which means that something in our background or our past kind of dictated, kind of led us in that direction. So that that your background have any bearing on the career that you chose? If I if I'm not getting too personal, <laughs> no, you know that's fine. It's um well in terms of being a lawyer, period. Well, yeah, I mean it's being the voice for others. It definitely helps when you serve others. It helps yourself. Absolutely. And I I found that not only did I want to do that for others, but really on a subconscious level, I was really trying to be become and learn how to be my own voice. Okay. And then as family law, you know, really overtook a lot of the other areas of practice that I had been in. I mean, I was, I had been a civil litigator. I represented doctors for a while. I prosecuted, you know, a lot of different types of cases as well. And then I was in the public sector working for the local prosecutor's office of, of Oakland County in which, you know, the county in which I live and work. And I was an, as an assistant prosecutor prosecuting criminals. And then I started defending, you know, certain criminals. And, and so it, my, my career evolved over time and I had a lot of litigation experience, but you're, you're very right. I mean, it's very poignant that you say that. I mean, my personal life, you know, was mirroring a lot of what I did professionally and, as my personal life took on a life of its own, <laughs> I found myself doing more and more family law okay. okay, and caring, caring more and more deeply for children of a divorce situation because I have children and I'm divorced. I was just so, going to ask that. Okay. So, yeah. um, so going into that, when you found yourself at the uh, fork in the road, where you guys are deciding whether we're going to stay together or separate. Was it at that point that you decided to go into family law or was it later? And what were some of the issues that you were actually dealing with personally that really made you go into that area? Well, I had already done a lot of family law, but I was more, I was becoming more focused on helping people learn how to set aside their differences and their emotional you know, just baggage for lack of a better word, you know, emotions are so high at this time that they forget that they have these innocent little beings in the middle. And because I was so passionate about making sure my own children were protected for many years throughout a tumultuous period, you know, oftentimes, you know, you set aside what's better for you for the sake of your children, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and so a lot of people stay together. They they say seemingly for the children. For the children. Sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't always work out for their best interest. 
Absolutely. It just depends, it just depends on the situation. But in, in my situation, I definitely wanted to do what was in their best interest throughout the divorce, you know, and, and all of that. And so I became very passionate about teaching people, coaching people, not only from a legal perspective, but also from, you know, more of a personal empowerment perspective. And that's why I started doing workshops and I did, you know, challenge to changes throughout COVID and, you know, the pandemic. And I started that right out of the gate. And I, I had often, you know, given hours of free advice to anyone who wanted to come to my workshops while, you know, my office was in place. But then once the pandemic hit and we were all forced to stay home, I quickly evolved in doing these online workshops. And now I've really been offering these workshops more and more as a tool to help people learn how not only to cope during the divorce, but thrive afterward so that they can take certain tools and be better as a result of that and learn to take these challenges and these troubles and problems in their lives and turn them around for the better and becoming better people and better parents and really better family units. It just looks a little different. Now with the challenge, is it um, for the adults to act like adults after the um, divorce? That's one of many challenges. <laughs> one of many challenges, Jason, and it's hard. People, it, a lot of it is ego. You know, a lot of it is they're not self-aware. There are many, many people. The older I get, the more I see there's not a lot of self-reflection, introspection. Absolutely. You know, people say they want, you know, a great life, but they're not willing to work for it. They're not willing to do the work on themselves. So many people aren't coachable. These so many marriages dissolve. Mm -hmm. And if they did the hard work, you know, before that, as you talk about, right. <laughs> you know, it does take work. It's not all bliss. It's not all, you know, no, you know, no, no, no. And, you know, fairy tales and all that, but, but you can have that fairy tale. There is so much beauty in working through difficulties because you can build a closer bond. Absolutely. You know, they say it's like a, an injured piece of your skin when it heals, that scar tissue is so much stronger and that's like a relationship. You know, when you deal with a difficult situation, when you learn how to grow and talk and communicate in a healthy, effective way, then that bond is so much stronger than had that challenge never been there in the first place. So you're telling me that relationships need a little bit of a challenge. If the people, I, I believe that. I believe we need it to get to that deeper level of intimacy. No question. Right. We know we know that whenever you feel whenever there's pain, there's growth. And the, the question is, when you come out of that pain, so when you're going through something in a relationship and it's causing, you know, both people to actually experience some type of pain, what are we doing self-reflecting and how are we how are we going to make it begin with us instead of our mate? Right. So so many times we're looking for our mate to make the change or we're trying to pl place blame someplace either than ourselves, but if we come out of that together and we start self-reflecting, then we come out of it stronger. So we all know that pain is growth. You don't grow unless you actually go through some pain. And if you're in a marriage, you're going through some pain. <laughs> well, and like you said, whenever you said, whenever there's pain, there's growth, there should be growth. I think that's the operative that, word. That it, okay. should yeah. be, right. Most people don't realize that it does take pain to grow and people don't, people are so, wanting no pain, no pain, no pain, no pain, but it's, 
like that old saying, no pain, no gain, right? Absolutely. They want the happily ever after without any work during the process. Right, right. A hundred percent agree. So what are some of the issues that the top ones that you see in relationships that usually end in divorce? Well, a lot of these are symptoms of a much deeper problem, but Mm -hmm, we have infidelity. We have cheating, you know, obviously, and and cheating takes many forms. So um, it's the lack of an openness and communication. I think at the root of it is communication or people's fear of intimacy, true intimacy. And that's letting someone in uh, as far as intimacy, letting the other person really into your space and really getting to know you at a deeper level. Yeah. And a lot of people are afraid. They're afraid to really reveal who they are because they don't take the time to know who they are themselves. Especially now in today's day and age, everyone's so quick to (laughs) social media and, and, you know, everything is so expungible and, you know, let's just get rid of this one and swipe right, swipe left, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, so uh, with the old and with the new, the next best thing. And there's so much of that. And people want that immediate gratification. Um, money is always a big issue. But again, to me, the expectations aren't set early on enough. You know, the people's expectation in terms of how should we spend money as a couple How should we spend money individually? When do we talk about a large expenditure? When do we not? What are you used to? You know, so there's all this preconceived ideas about money and, and, and we just don't talk about it. No. Right. Well, I feel like, you know, especially on a big purchase, you know, if, if I'm making a big purchase, I don't feel like I need to get an approval right from my spouse. I feel like I should be able to make it. You're speaking in general terms, not you. Are you speaking? In, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see for the audience. Like, are you no, 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 speaking? I'm talking, in, no, no, no. I'm talking in general, baby. I'm definitely talking <laughs> in general. I ain't trying to start nothing here. No, no, no. I'm asking because so so we're saying that usually when right. in marriages, if, if, if you don't discuss that ahead on. Right. Because you're like, you know what? I'm an adult. If I want to make a purchase, I want to make a purchase. And you should be behind me, you know, because you're my wife or husband or whatever, which causes a lot of problem. And I've seen that in a relationship where a person went out and bought an automobile, which is a large purchase. Right. And then the other right. spouse finds out when the car is in the driveway. Right. So the other spouse doesn't feel respected. You know, another another issue is if a spouse is really into his or her work, you know, and they take a lot of satisfaction from that work. And then the other spouse is either jealous of the time or, you know, that person, they don't feel like they're being paid attention to. A or, high priority. Know, right. Made a priority. So I think to discuss these things, you know, before you marry or become a committed couple, you know, in a committed relationship and exploring these ideas and talking, a lot of it is just the level of communication, but effective communication, not just talking. Exactly. Talking in a manner in which they can hear you. You know, it's like the five love languages. You give love in the way the other person can feel it, not for you, but what's better for them. You know, that's very important. So in your prenups, you said you do prenups. Are these some of the things that you bring to couples or is it just more of laying out the law, the law of if we were to get divorced, you get this, this and this. So what are some of the things like what does the prenup consist of? Well, a lot of it, Tina, is what that couple has and what that person has, the one that wants to protect it okay. or the two people that are protecting it. So most often it's the assets before the marriage. 
And then if the marriage lasts a certain amount of years and if there are children, you know, as a result of that marriage and that union, this is what is due the other the other person that is not bringing so much to the table, you know, or if both couples do enter the relationship or the marriage, you know, mutually, you know, um, very well endowed financially, then they have to protect their interests and you know, if sometimes there's provisions in that prenup that, you know, if the spouse cheats, then this cup, this person's entitled to this, or, you know, after X amount of years, this person's entitled to, you know, it, it really just depends on the couple and they're all very, very unique. And I highly recommend when people want prenuptial agreements that they go to an attorney that will not just do a cookie cutter agreement that's right. really based upon them individually and as a unit. So, so do you usually offer when people are coming to you for prenups to get premarital counseling? I mean, I know that's not your, your area or, you know, you don't just say, Hey, you guys, but do you ever suggest it or going into it? I often suggest counseling, especially when someone comes to me and they're asking for a divorce. So I, I think it's very important because I I mean, yes, I am an attorney that does a lot of divorces, but I usually always say to them, if not always, are you sure you exhausted all of your remedies? Because the grass isn't always greener. And, you know, especially if someone's having an affair or, and I don't judge anybody. I mean, we all, we all have our issues. We all have our crosses to bear. I mean, we all come to the table with our own perceptions, our own realities, you know, everything, but it's important for that person, for me to, it's important for me to express to them, you know, divorce is not easy, even in the best of situations. And if you think that you're going to get something better on the outside, you know, I mean, obviously in, in the cases of abuse, you know, or neglect, right, right. There, there situations. or anything like that. I mean, you know, even with addiction, I mean, you, you have to make sure you've tried everything that you possibly can for yourself, really not for the other person, but for yourself. And I highly recommend individual counseling as well as joint therapy for the two people, because you have to be willing to work on yourself because oftentimes, like you said earlier, Tina, that you're, you're, instead of projecting something on the other person, you have to realize you have to take accountability. You know, our, our reality is really what we are experiencing on the inside. Absolutely. So people don't realize that our, our reality is really just us pushed outward. That, that's that's exactly. You know, that's I mean, exactly that's the is. law of attraction, you know, the law of vibration, all of that. So that's what it is. I mean, and people don't, they're not, they don't understand that. So or, or they don't want to accept, the, they don't want to accept the, right. the responsibilities. In, right. Right. What's that, showing up in my life is because this is what's going on the inside. They don't want to believe that. No, this didn't happen. No, you attracted that person to you. This is right. the experience that you brought to you. Right. And a lot of people, especially people, victims, right? They, 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 for, they're, they're, they don't want to be victimized, but then they have a very difficult time getting out of that role. And that's right. why they have repeat patterns of these relationships over and over. And I see it time and time again. And until you're willing to do the hard work and look at yourself and, and not want to be that victim anymore, you're going to continue to have relationships in your life that on the outside might look differently, but they're certainly the same on, you know. So what do you say to those people? 
get help. You need therapy. And there, a lot of people are not willing to look at themselves and they take offense if they're not ready to hear it, you know? And, um, I mean, I have friends that create the same reality in their life, or they're just so, you know, tired of having friends, other people treat them the same way or, you know, and then they say, I don't understand why this keeps happening. Yeah. Why, why is this person so mean to me and why this and why that? And, you know, it's because you, you have to show up differently, yep. you know, until you show up differently, your outside reality will continue to be the same. You know, I mean, Joe Dispenza says it all the time. Your outside reality, you know, is based on your personality until you change your change your personality you're going to continue to get the, to get the same reality exactly the, the story of our lives right whatever we perceive as our truth yeah, is our awesome. reality right is yeah. what we would put into the world but in doing that i know jason and i are always telling people you know they're looking for relationships to you know they're looking for someone to make them whole and we constantly keep saying that relationships are only based on the individuals who are in it right so you're looking for someone to make you whole but you're not willing to do the work ahead of time for that right person so we're looking for that right person and we wouldn't know them if they walked right past us if we're not ready to get into that type of relationship where we're not being abused where we're not being mistreated where we're not being taken advantage of. So in divorces or in relationships, have you ever um, had a client where, you know, you wanted to tell them like you, you they were the issue, right? So you, you get these people who, you know, you represent and then they come to the table with their spouse and then you're realizing that, hey, my client is probably the, the reason why they're in this situation. So do you do you keep that to yourself or do you pull your client to the side when you guys have... Um, a talk and you kind of let them know, or what do you do in those situations? I'm a huge proponent of client control. The reason why divorces escalate the way they do in my humble opinion is because there are a lot of lawyers out there that just want to squeeze the money out of their client and they escalate a situation and they don't tell their client what they should be doing or should not be doing, what should be reasonable, what should not be, re- you know, what should mm-hmm. be expected I have a huge, huge, um, uh, I, I guess, just a feeling about being strong for my clients when I need to be strong. I am appropriately aggressive, but I tell them if they're not being reasonable, if they're in the wrong, I will absolutely 100% tell them. And I have that client control, but I do it in such a way that they can hear me. And okay. I, I don't bully them over. I don't I don't believe that, um, you know, if it's something that they truly want, I'll give them all sides of it. And then I'll explain to them why I think it should be a certain way. And then I'll have them with me make a decision that's best for them. But I want them to know that it's very important to do something a certain way as opposed to what they're doing. And I highly recommend if someone needs assistance or help or counseling or whatever it is, that they seek it, um, you know, because because the divorce is a finite time period, the, the process of a divorce. But if you're dealing with children, you have to deal with that co-parent really for the rest of your life. I mean, it's not just while the children are under 18. I mean, you're going to have graduations, you're going to have marriages, you're going to have the birth of babies, you know, etc. And so when I have on the other side, a, you know, a, an attorney that is inflaming issues or has no client control, 
that's just disastrous all the way around. So it's very important to help that client see what is reasonable, what should be done, manage their expectations. And absolutely, I, I give them as much advice from not only a legal perspective, but a counseling one as well. Yeah, because I, I would imagine that cooler heads prevail because, I mean, you come in hot, you mad, you want to get whatever you can from the person, you just really want to stick it to them. But in the end, that's not the best way to be, especially if you have children. Right. Because you're going to have to live life after the divorce and, and it can be happy and you can be nice and, and, and co-parent and do all that. All that stuff can work. But you, you have to kind of get past that whole messy period during divorce. And I think if you have the right attorney and the right person in your corner and telling you that, hey, listen, we can get through this, but you still have the rest of your life. This is the first time I really heard someone say you got to think about the graduations, the weddings, the you know, the, the kids being born, your grandkids and stuff. So you, you need to pay attention to that. It, yeah, you may be upset right now and things didn't work out, but you still have the rest of your life ahead of you and you have the rest of your family's life ahead of you. As you so said, just in a that. different, just in a different realm. Exactly. It's, it's and and you view different. things different. You have to look ahead. So you talked about once um, COVID hit, you started doing coaching from inside. So what was the coaching that you're now providing your clients? Well, I started to do, you know, these online uh, Facebook live events that now have become more of, you know, workshops where I have people sign up for workshops and I teach them. It depends. It depends on what they want to sign up for. I have empowerment classes. I have classes for learning how to be a better co-parent, learning how to communicate effectively. And I have groups where, you know, they can start, they can pay for either weekly group classes or individual coaching by me, which is separate from the legal side of things. But even as a lawyer, I have clients that I help go through, literally, I handle them. How do I text message my, you know, my ex? How do I email them? How do I communicate? You know, I talk a lot about, you know, working with blended families as well. And how do people, um, really get along and how can they blend together? I mean, there's a lot of different things that I can help them with because it's really all about it's relationships and it's learning how to communicate and, you know, setting aside your own emotions and not always having to be right, just trying to do right. And it's, it's really about being a good person at the end of the day. I mean, we all, like we said before, we all have our own perceptions and it's just learning how to cope in a much more peaceful way, because then you'll, your life will have more joy in it, you know, and you have to learn how to let go and, and that's a lot of it too. It's, it's that easier said than done when people most of the time come to you for service, let go. Do you tell your clients, like, sometimes you have to let go, like you said, let go of being right instead of doing right. Right. So we have to let go. And so is that always an easy pill for them to swallow? No, no, of course not. No, because <laughs> so, no, people want to be so, right. Right. <laughs> so what, what, what pushback do you usually get with that? You know, um, they're just tired. They don't want to deal with it anymore. You know, especially if there's, has been abuse in a relationship or they're a lot of a lot of times I see people in situations with uh, you know psychological or emotional abuse, and sometimes people throw that word around very easily these days too. And you hear the word narcissistic a lot, and 
sometimes people just don't want to take responsibility for their own part in it. And I get a lot of pushback and they don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to be introspective and they don't, they don't want to take the time. And because they like the story they've told themselves and it is hard to let go of that, you know, and if that's all they've known, if they're really that addicted to their story or they tell all their friends about it, or, you know, they're relying on this, you know, victimization, what else will they have in their life then? You know, and, and it's for them, it's a hard pill to swallow and realizing that they were perhaps maybe a part of the problem is hard to your ego. Um, but they have to take it one step further and look at how much more blessed their life will be if they learn how to become a much more, you know, just open person and let go of that. I, I tell my clients and, and a lot of, you know, the people I coach, you know, it's, it's that old saying, you know, it's not the snake bite that, that kills you. It's the kills venom that yeah. your veins and, and it's true. People that hold on to that anger and that resentment, or they want to be vindictive or get back at their spouse or whatever, it's it's just not healthy. You have to let it all go. And um, because they don't care. I mean, all that anger and resentment and hurt, I mean, it's not stopping them from living, right? right, it's, right. it's stopping you from living your best Absolutely. life. Absolutely. So um, it's a huge mind shift. It really is. And we get out of life what we think we deserve. And if you still want to be stuck in that, role, if that's right. how you identify with yourself, no matter how much so I try to talk or convey that to someone, sometimes they're just not willing to look at it. Yeah, they, they, they're just not there yet. That's that's what it is. They're just not there in their life. Uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, as a lawyer, you know, you, you go through all these different things and you're de- dealing with this, but you're really just talking about self-improvement. If you work on yourself, you could probably save a lot of your relationships. And we, that's what we've been preaching here. The, the problem in the relationship is you. If you fix you, your relationship would change. Sometimes. We can't control anyone else. All we can right. control is ourselves. And sometimes you continue to work on yourself, you know, and you're evolving. And sometimes your spouse doesn't want to keep up with that and, or they're envious of it or they're jealous. Or, you know, if you've undergone a huge transformation, say a huge weight loss and you're new, you know, and you, your inners, you know, your, your, the way you view yourself has changed, you know, in order for your weight and your healthier lifestyle to, to maintain and sustain, you have to be different. You know, we and actually so, seen that. Yeah. And, and so on the outside, maybe your spouse isn't accepting or ready you know, maybe they liked having that dominance over you in some level. Absolutely. Right. So, right. And, and, and so, yes, a lot of times if you show up differently and you react to that other person differently, then they'll react and they'll change. It's like a ripple effect. Right. But oftentimes, no. I mean, right. So you just don't. Sometimes know. it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's interesting that you would pick that uh, weight loss, which I know is pretty common, but yeah. That's a very true. We, we've actually have, you know, close friends that have done that. Right. So you one person has that breakthrough when their you know, their life is changing in the positive, but then their spouse can not accept it. Like you said, they're jealous or they're envious or they're not accepting of it. 
because it they they're thinking that it's something negative reflecting on them. You think you're so, better because you lost X amount of pounds. Now you can do this and I can't. So do it does now. cause a lot of issues in marriage. So when you when people come to you and they say you ask them, have they tried every alternative? Have you looked up every avenue? What do they usually say? I mean, are they willing to do more or do they just say, you know, yes, we've done everything we can possibly do? It depends really. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes they're just gathering information. Sometimes I'll, you know, encourage them to look at something a little differently. Sometimes they'll say, you know, I'm just done. I can't do this anymore. And if it's a, if it's a dangerous situation, obviously we do it right away, but you know, it, it just really, um, depends on the situation. So, um, and, and, and then if it, if it is an abusive situation, I make sure that person has the strength that they need and, you know, make sure that they can take care of themselves. And we set up a plan, you know, we, we make sure everything is in order because those situations have to be done in a very methodical, planned, strategic way uh, to keep them safe and their children safe. So, you know, it just, it's, it just, uh, it depends on the people. Right. Or right. Anything else situation, right. Yeah. So, so do the children usually have a say? Do you usually talk with them? And like, how does it usually affect the kids? You know, in Michigan, and I do a lot of divorces in Michigan, and I represent others in New York and Illinois as well. Um, and I know because I've also counseled and I've also coached other people in different states like California and, and all across the country. It depends. And in, in the states that I've practiced law in, the courts don't really want to hear from the children unless they have a guardian ad litem, which is an attorney that is just representing the children. And guardian ad litems are, uh, you know, are hired in cases of, um, I guess, extreme situations. Oftentimes. Okay. Um, but in the couples that I've represented, when we don't have GALs, the the younger the child is, the more easily they adapt to the new situation. And this is just psychological, you know, you know, studying because if you're younger, then that's more your normal. If you've had more years under your belt with a couple right. in a same house situation, it's harder. That's why they right. say for teenagers, it's much more difficult than say a three or four year old going through this. Because they've had, even though it could have been extremely dysfunctional and, you know, highly, highly, you know, toxic, that little teenager still wants his or her family because that's all they've ever known. And even if the two people hate each other, it's still his or her family. And so when the two people um, are divorcing and then they fight even more and it's just that much more animus that child is feels like it's his or her fault. And they feel like if they would have done X, Y, or Z, things would be differently. Or sometimes the parent would put the child in the middle or, you know, disparage the other father in front of that child or disparage the other parent, you know, in front of that child. It's, it's hard. And that's why when I was doing the challenge to changes, you know, I was making it a priority to make sure you understand what your children are going through because there is such a high rate of suicide and suicide attempts in young people. And the correlation, in my opinion, the correlation with the high rates of divorce 
is no uh, coincidence. You know, is it, I mean, obviously there's a lot of other issues going on with young people today, but the, the situation with divorce and with people hating each other and fighting and, you know, putting that child in the middle does not help the cause. And I mean, they have enough on their plate. Let's not let that be one of them. So you usually don't inter you don't let, you don't um, speak with the children at all. It's usually just the parents. Yeah. It's not. a. I mean, if, if that parent really wants me to speak to a child, I will, but only, only with that other parent present. Okay. Um, and then I will, you know, if there is another lawyer involved, I'll let that lawyer know that I've spoken with the child. It's very important for, you know, that to be known. I don't like to pull any punches or have any, you know, you, you really shouldn't do that. Um, but oftentimes if, if it's a strongly felt desire by that child, and if the child is old enough, you know, then I would ask for an in-camera inspection by the judge or the family counselor to speak to that child. And that's done oftentimes too, to get that child's desires known, because a lot of times, again, the older that child is, they don't want to be with the other parent for whatever reason. And it's, it's important to hear that child's voice. Yeah, it's traumatic. For the, yeah, it's traumatic for the child. I know. I, I'm, I didn't have to go through a divorce, but I could imagine. You know, your parents are together, especially if you're a teenager, and then they split, and you got to pick and choose which parent. Well, the parent that's really, uh, you know, normally is the you know the dad. You know, kids are pretty much attracted to their mom more so than their dad. Um, and then if if that's the case, the kids gonna basically want to stay with their mom. And, and that's, that's kind of how it is um, a lot. So that's 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 tough, uh, especially for teenagers. I would hate to have gone through that because to pick a parent to live with, yeah, it's a little interesting. Okay. Um, so you said you. Well, Jason, can I, can I just stop you for one second? A lot of times in many courts, they do do, you know, there is a lot of joint custody. So mm -hmm. that child doesn't have to pick a parent. It's it's only if they feel the strong need and, the you know, the compelling reason that they do. Okay, so if you do joint, you still have to stay with someone majority of the time, correct? Well, there's st there's that bouncing back and forth, and I, I hate that. I yeah. hate that. I hate that. And sometimes the parents are so disingenuous about their desire as to why they want joint custody. Right. It's not about the children half the time. It's about the money. You know, it offsets mm. child support. So, or they do it for their own, you know, ego. It's like they're, they're mm -hmm. controlling their, it's their possession. It's not because they want right. to parent that child. Exactly. It's, I see it more out of ego really than anything. Um, and it's, and oftentimes, like you said, Jason, it's, it's because the father hasn't really been home caring for the children. It's really the mom and children identify a lot with that. They're they're They feel that nurturing from their mom. And I believe courts are doing children and families a disservice when they say 50, 50, because it's, it's too much bouncing back and forth. And it's, I mean, how would you like to live out of two homes back and forth, right. back and forth? I mean, exactly. It's not, right. it's not Three days cool. here. So many days here. And that's not even a very good structure. And when yeah. parents can't stand each other, they withhold clothes, they withhold shoes, they withhold phones. They, I mean, it's ridiculous what I see. And, and they're hurting their children and they don't see how right. awful it is. The behavior is ridiculous. You know, absolutely. It's, it's like, like you said, it's, it's majority of the ego. It's not, um, to make, get, make the child better. It's really to hurt the other parent, but in the interim of it, you're hurting the child and they can't even see that. They yeah. Can't see it. Well, I'm not going to let you take your phone cause I bought it. 
well then, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to let you take this jacket because I bought it and your dad should supply it to you. I mean, you. stuff like that is so, or your iPad or whatever it is, you know. And we hear these things and we think they're crazy, but this is, this is definitely the everyday norm. It's, this, this is, is exactly what parents do when the parents, when the parents hate each other this for whatever reason. This is family stuff here. This yes. is really what goes on in families. And I, and I always say, and you know, I'm not the only one to say it, but it, you have to learn to love your children more than you hate your spouse or your ex-spouse because people need to get it in their heads that they're hurting their children. And I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I, I want you to just spend a little bit more time on that. What parents can do if they find themselves right now, you know, divorced and they have either 50, 50 or they're sharing custody Tell us some, some of the things that parents can actually do and realize what you're doing that's actually hurting the child instead of hurting the other parent. So, you know, let's go deep into that, what, what parents need to realize. Well, you know, for instance, if, if let's just say that child or your children forgot something at your house and they're in there at their other parent's house and they call you up and say, hey, you know, um, I forgot my whatever book or whatever it is coat. And you say, no, I'm not bringing it. It's your dad's responsibility. I'm not going to go drive over there. Well, and then their dad is busy with work or something, or he says, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, well, who, who, how would you like that? You know, you're somewhere where, first of all, you don't know if you want to be, you just left your house and you, you, you forgot. I mean, how would you like to move your things back and forth? Or, you know, well, I'm not going to buy that for you. You know, I pay child support. Your mom can take care of that. Well, well, is that your child's fault? You know, if they need something for school or if they want to go on a field trip or if they're, you know, they need new shoes, whatever it is, you know, be a parent for crying out loud. Look at your face. Look at the face of your children. Why are you punishing your child when you're really just so angry at your ex? You know, suck it up, pay the 25 bucks. It's not going to kill you, right? Just do it. Be the better person and don't keep a scorecard. Do not be tit for tat. Do not, you know, try to take your, you know, the ex back to court because you paid for you this, this, and the other thing. Just do it. And, and in time, then that, talk about a ripple effect. In time, your behavior may then Absolutely. change the other parent's behavior. Don't count on it. Don't expect it. Don't keep it so hard. Just be the better person and you will feel better as a result. And I can almost guarantee you that your children will know and feel the difference and they will know, trust me when I tell you this, they will know which parent had their backs and had the best interest in heart. They might not know now, they might not know in two years, but I can mark my words when they become an adult and if and when they have children, they will know. And don't you want your legacy to be that? Exactly. Oh, my mom was so mad at my dad. She couldn't see the forest through the trees. I mean, right. You know, or, you know, I, I see it a lot too. When one of the spouses moves on and remarries faster, Mm -hmm. has a love interest faster than the other person or the other person, you know, they were left or they were, you know, cheated on whatever it is. They have such a hard time letting go. And they have such a hard time wanting their child to be happy with that other blended family. And you're only hurting your children. The way I look at it is that child has a much richer life. You know, if they're involved with 
stepchildren or step siblings, then you know what? Let it be. Let them have those relationships with those stepsisters or brothers or whatever it is. You know, let them have love from more people. It's more love your child is experiencing instead of trying to withhold it or, right. you know, somehow, you know, hold on so tightly from it. Yes. And I, oftentimes I hear people say, um, well, I pay child support, Ooh, so take man. it out of that. Yeah. But what we fail to realize well, is even with child support, if that child were in the home with both parents, do you realize how much money you spend on a child? And child support could never make up for that because we often, as you said, kids may need $25 for a book. They may, may need $35 for um, a fee. There's always extra things that the court does not um, put into child support and parents are always, as you said, keeping scorecards or tit for tat or ask your mom or ask your dad. We have to start parenting from a perspective that, as you said, putting the child first. It's not what the other parents should or shouldn't do if you're paying child support. It's what your child is coming to you for. We have to be more involved as a parent realizing the love that we give our child, as you said, is going to, it's going to have a ripple down effect. That child is going to know and feel the difference instead of being a ping pong ball going in between. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's so important to show by example, you know, Absolutely. not your words. They, it's, it's what you do that they see. It's not what you say. So it's so important to teach them your values by doing. And, you know, and oftentimes I hear, you know, well, like you said, you know, the child, I'm paying child support, so you don't need lunch money today. Right. Well, okay, well, how am I going to eat? You know, right, exactly. Uh, you know, so yes, child support is for the basic needs of that child, you know, food, clothing, and shelter, but it doesn't go very far. It does not. So, and I, and I, I hate to stop you, but, you know, you're talking with people that, you know, going through child support and you go, man, you know what? I'm paying a child support. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? The, kid needs other things that's just basic if you were living in the house with that child you would still have to buy it and pay all of the other things which is a lot more that you'd be paying if you were living with the child so don't say that you're doing that you're not doing it for her you know at, you know i was talking to a gentleman you didn't you're not doing it for her you're doing it for the child the child needs somewhere to live and, and food to eat and stuff like that but they also need clothes and other things that you can provide so you just go ahead and provide it right a lot of difficulty too comes into place with, you know, things, well, like the immunization now, the vaccine, you know, um, and vaccines from, you know, the, the traditional vaccines, whether they Absolutely. agree or not, and the education and where they're going to go to school or religious beliefs. And there's a lot of that I see and fighting over that tremendous fighting over the belief system of two people. And then it can get exacerbated when you add another party to the mix, like if one of the couples is with someone else and their belief system. So it can be very, very tricky. And for a child to have to navigate through all that is tough. You know, it's, it's just it's tough, tough enough being a kid, let alone all this extra pressure. So absolutely. Yeah. When you're dealing with um, two different people. So as we said before, what are some of the things that. Um, if couples right now are finding themselves pondering that, right, that divorce may be an option, what are some suggestions that you could give them that they could do to hopefully navigate them away from divorce? Some suggestions from yourself. Well, Tina, I first ask why, and usually I see one of the people, you know, mm -hmm. um, 
because as an attorney, ethically, I represent one person. If they want to come to me together, you know, as more of a counseling situation, I let them know that basically they're waiving their confidentiality, the one-on-one. So they both know that, you know, and I wouldn't legally be able to represent both of them. Um, you know, they do, there are a lot of collaborative divorces where one person acts as a mediator. And so in that capacity, you know, I tell both of them, have you, have you really sat down and talked through why, what is it? And then a lot of times it's just peeling those onion layers back, you know, and getting to the heart of it, asking the tough questions, asking the why, but multiple levels deep. You know, once they answer, then ask why again. And once that, you know, ask, continue to ask why to get to the heart of it. And a lot of times it's, it's, you know, making sure each person hears the other person. Oftentimes people are so, they're anxious to speak and get their own story out or whatever it is that's on their mind that they don't, they're not really listening to the other person. They're, they're too focused on what they want to say. So they don't hear what the other person's saying. And so oftentimes it's really just getting them to learn how to communicate. And when two people communicate, you know, it's not fighting. It's just openly talking and communicating and sharing and having that, you know, mature adult conversation. Um, and, and sometimes that's really beautiful. Just having that adult conversation. And then, and then, Once they get to that point, and it can be a process, it can take a lot of time. Once they get to that point, sometimes they just really decide in a mature way that, you know what, this relationship isn't for us. It isn't meeting my needs and let's part as friends. So, and only then, you know, can they be a healthier way? But that's obviously very, very idealistic and very few and far between. (laughs) (laughs) right right because and i guess so many people say well we hear you say communicate communicate but there's different levels of communication there's different types of communication so the problem i would tell people if they're in that communication phase right now or discussing divorce or feeling that there's no other options communication may you may need a mediator you may need to go and speak with someone who can actually help you to hear the other person Instead of just hearing yourself, right? <laughs> just listening to yourself all that time. Well, that's so why therapists that, are so important. And that's why a lot of people resort to therapy or, you know, or so spiritual advisor or whoever it is, because they feel more comfortable talking about things in front of a person. They feel like it's a, their safe space. Do you ever feel that couples, either one or the other, are not um, honest? What do you do in those situations? Because as you said, we're not always true to ourselves. So when when someone doesn't want to be honest about the situation, and 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 as we know, if one and one doesn't add up to two, then something is missing. So what do you do in those situations when people uh, may go to counseling or may come to you, but just aren't being honest with the entire situation? Well, then, Tina, sometimes that can't be helped, you know. Like there are oftentimes people that will deny, for instance, having an affair or deny gambling away all their money or deny an addiction to an opioid or whatever it is, you know, and people are in denial a lot. And whether they're doing it intentionally or otherwise, you know, that's their pathology. But 
when, when they're not even willing to look at themselves, it's very hard to coach them and to show them things that could be done differently to better their relationship. And oftentimes they're just checked out. And then, you know, then that's when a lot of times divorces do happen. So they have to be willing to come to the table and be open and coachable. Um, you know, otherwise, otherwise there's really, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. So, okay. So getting a little personal, just because we are a relationship show, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just getting a little personal. So on your own personal journey, when you found yourself at the divorce table, um, what were your thoughts and what were some of the things that you did to prevent that? To prevent divorce? Yes. So, I mean, because you said, did you try every option, right? So are, are we taking our own advice? So did, what were some of the options that you guys did? And then, you know, what came, what was the final conclusion to it? Cause you know, you're sitting okay, there, you know, this is it. Once I sign <laughs> yes. this, this is. Tina, that's not part of what we're here. Yeah, no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. I, you know, um, well, there are a lot of things, you know, that I, I will admit to therapy, you know, for sure. Counseling, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of personal growth, growth on many levels, uh, spiritual growth, personal growth, emotional, psychological, physical, all of it. Um, I work on myself every day. I mean, if we're not growing, we're dying and everyone can always improve. I believe that. And I believe that um, it's in serving others that we help ourselves. I said that early on. And I've, the reason why I'm so passionate about helping others is because it helps me too. Right. Not just because I'm helping someone else that that's like a byproduct of it. I didn't realize that was going to be, you know, I, I was going to benefit. I didn't know I was going to be the, mo- the, the one to benefit the most of all of my hard work to others was me. And I didn't know that at the time I had no clue. Right. But I do now. I mean, now that I have all this amazing hindsight and wisdom and experience behind me, but during my divorce, you know, I, you know, without, giving away too much because I, I still have a co-parenting relationship with um, the father of my children and my children are younger and I protect them at all costs. I did everything I could. And then some to maintain a union and a marriage. And a lot of people probably would say that I did too much and I tolerated intolerable situations and I will not ever be a proponent of that to anyone. Okay. So, and I can speak honestly about that. Um, that being said, I've learned to let go. I've learned to forgive myself. I've learned to forgive him. Uh, we have a great relationship now. And a lot of people judge me for that. A lot of people in my family judge me for that. You know, how could you be so close with someone who did so much to you or did, you know, hurt you so badly or did so much damage, whatever, whatever but I say I'm doing it because I still love him. He's the father of my children. I still care about him. He's the father of my children, but on a totally different level, obviously. Right. Absolutely. Right? Yes. I mean, I have removed any kind of that emotional stuff and I've done it through a lot of hard work. I was, you know, in the beginning and I tell my clients this too, you have to be the best damn actress you can be on the face of this planet or actor, Right. In order to move past the pain for the betterment of your children, you have to act. And if you're a human being, you're going to have emotions up to here and then some, right? (laughs) 
But in order to not have those emotions control you, you have to act and be at peace in such a state and be confident in your own self that you're doing the right thing. And little by little by little, that inner strength and that inner confidence will grow and grow and grow. And it may take a little longer because you weren't a total, and I don't know if we can swear, but I, I mean, you know, if we weren't a total, <laughs> team, right? But <laughs> you'll get better and better and stronger over time because it's harder from it's harder to do that than it is to be a total B and, you know, right. be done with it. Exactly. It's much harder to live in it and do what's right than to just, you know, let it all go. But I did it all. I worked very, very hard and tirelessly on myself throughout it all. We did, you know, couples therapy to answer your question. And then it just, he decided what he wanted to do. And actually it was a blessing. You know, it was a blessing. Had he not, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I was going to say, see the, Right. All that growth, you would not have. You And that's what I said. Looking back at the old you, at the old Sabrina and the new Sabrina, you go, wow, look at the growth difference. And that's why I said, you know, what were some of the things that you went through and realizing that there was a process of growth. Right. And that we do have to be actors. And, <laughs> so I, and, I, and I would never have done all that. And, and I, yeah, I mean, totally different person. I mean, I could go on forever, but totally different person. <laughs> so you actually need to thank him, right? I do. <laughs> I, do. I do thank him. And it's, so only you're more growth. it's only through challenges. Like you said, at the very beginning, do we, do we change? Do we right. grow? Right. Only right. Through those challenges. right. So and I do thank him. And my children are so much better off with me now as their mom than I was before. I'm a totally different person. Are you just more present now with them? You know, just. Well, because my mind isn't so occupied on all the other stuff. Stuff, Right. I'm so much more present. I'm so much stronger. I'm a much better role model. I would never want them to do or go through what I had to, you know, of, of, you know, and I'm showing my sons. I have two sons and a daughter. I'm showing my daughter how she needs to be in a relationship, how she should show up in a relationship, what to expect how to be respected. And I'm showing my sons the same thing, how they should treat their romantic partner, how they should show up in a relationship, what they should tolerate and how they should perform and be and how they need to be respectful. It's all about that and communication, empowerment, confidence, all of it. That's wonderful. And I commend you. I I do too. So do you think that your past has made you the attorney that you are today, the compassionate attorney, the understanding attorney, the one that, Hey, I've been through what you're about to go through. And I I know the ugly side. I know the emotions. I know everything. I'm here to help you. Is you think that actually helps you to be a more effective attorney on a deep level completely. I was always one to be more sensitive and stand in the shoes of my clients. You know, I'm a musician. I studied music in undergrad and I've always been very sensitive to people and I used to be criticized for that, but it's it's actually it's actually uh, an amazing trait to have because then you can feel when someone is going through something that they might not be strong enough to say or articulate. And so that I've always been, I've always been understanding, compassionate, sensitive, but now that I've truly lived it and I understand what they're going through on a deep level, I can empathize with them in such a way that I couldn't before for sure. And that's why I say I commend you because uh, looking at my past and my mom and my dad, their relationship, right. They weren't together, but my mom was so um, 
wonderful towards him, right? Never any animosity, never any problems, you know, even him and his other wives. And she always held him with the utmost respect. And I think that totally had a bearing on how when um, we get older as females, that didn't put a damper on our relationships because if she had have been sour or, you know, envious or just really ugly, that could have had a, a lasting effect because it was for girls. And so it could have affected how all of us did our relationships. But I think because their relationship was, you know, and, and as you said, people, you know, criticize you about it. You know, I used to be one of those things, you know, those people like, why are you so nice to him? You know why You know, but being older and realizing that what, would it, what, you know, what would have been the benefit of being mean and nasty, right? How would the children have um, benefited from that? So the love that she continued to show him, even though they weren't together, definitely had a lasting impact on how, yeah, I would say, me and my sisters in our um, relationships, you know, how we have that love and respect and we can actually, you know, uh, be in a loving relationship without have being tainted by the fact that our parents weren't together. Exactly. And I love yes. you. I love Tina that you were able to say she still loved him. This love she showed him because she's a loving human being. She, she absolutely. And I'm a loving person. I, I never, ever use the word hate. I don't hate anybody. I don't. And, and maybe, you know, I mean, I've been judged for that too. Right. <laughs> when people see us together and our family unit and our kids, our kids feel so settled when we're at an, an event and there's no tension or we're sitting exactly. together. You know, if they're exactly. I mean, that the children, all they want is just to see their parents, you know, have pride in their eyes. You know, they they're civil. not civil and not hating one another. Right. That, that's too much stress. Or to have, like you said, to have to go to a, a, an event, a sporting event or something. And they're like, oh, my mom is coming or my dad is coming. Exactly. Exactly. And at, like I said, as a child growing up, I said, I didn't understand it. But now as an adult and being in a relationship, you know, I understand that that was, that took more strength than we could ever really know, you know, being that person to continue, even though, you know, our judgment was like, wow, how could you love someone or show them so much love when they did you wrong or did this? But in her eyes, that, that didn't that matter. Never, yeah. 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 Not, that, not a that, bad that, word at all. That's actually, that's a good way of saying it. Show them so much love. And that's what I do. And that's what you do. You show them so much love. Love is a verb. Absolutely. And, and, and you have to, if, if, if a listener out there is having a hard time wrapping his or her mind around this, think of it as you're showing your children that love because your children are a half of that other person. So if you're Absolutely. showing, if you're showing anger and hatred toward that other person, well, subconsciously, your child is going to think that you're showing anger and hatred toward them because aren't they half of, you know, that's them? exactly it. So people don't realize on a subconscious level the damage they're doing if they show hatred to that other person instead of showing acts of love and kindness, you know, and and the family members of me that that are more supportive and understand it, they, they get it, you know, and your friends and family will come along and come around in time because it's all a matter of just like, like we said before about everything, how you show up will really help that ripple effect and change everybody else's perspective as well. Because I'm sure if my parents, um, I, I'm 
hundred percent sure if they were parents that always argued or fuss and fought over little things, money and situations, I can see how, you know, my background could have been totally different. And then in my relationships, I would have been, you know, tainted in my relationships, thinking that that's the actual way that you do things. You know, so we all have issues in our past, but understanding that the parent that we are today really has a huge bearing on the the parent that our child is going to be in the future. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, so I commend you. Absolutely. Keep loving. <laughs> Keep growing. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Yes. And, and you know what? You should... Thank you, mom, you know, because she did a good job with you. Then I showed up. So, you know what? Yes, she, she did. did right. She did a beautiful job. There you go, Jason. You got to thank your mom, too. Yeah, I do all the time. I say, yep, I, I got a winner here. So we have to make sure we stop the legacy of, um, you know, uh, bad relationships continuing on right. through our children. Yeah. You know, even though and it's didn't work. And, it, and as you said, it's not only communicating with each other, but communicating with our children, right? Helping them understand that it wasn't their fault and it had nothing to do with them, but also making sure that they're becoming a healthy individual, you know, emotionally so that they can be in stable relationships. So just, it's such a long lasting effect. Yep. And, and then just make sure you're speaking in age appropriate ways and, and, you know, and don't get too, you know, too high and, you know, or too, you know, too uh, highly evolved and too complicated, too complicated <laughs> right. Right. Just speak in ways that they can understand and they can hear you and, and, you know, in ways that make sense to them. Um, but it is true. And, and we do parent, sometimes people do the opposite of what their parent does and that's not always healthy either. You know, sometimes it's just, finding that right balance and, and, you know, being your authentic self and, you know, and doing what comes naturally to you and emphasizing, just like you said, love and kindness. And, you know, you're bound to make mistakes. Everybody does. But sure. as long as you get up and try again and keep on keeping on, you know, <laughs> that's right. Well, my mom, another thing she always said is love heals. There's no issue. Love heals. So, and, and it's such a different feeling when you can come from a, a place of love, Instead of a place of hate, it's a totally different feeling. You know, it's funny because <clears throat> I'm learning that too. So she's always telling me, you're a little too hard on the kids, this, that, and the other. You know, you can love in this situation a little bit more than you have, which is true. I'm probably good. But again, my background is a little bit different. So I learned in those instances, okay, maybe I'm a little bit too hard on the boys. Okay, not a problem. A little bit too hard on my daughter. Okay, I understand. So you, you learn a lot through that. But, or you know, you try to. Yeah, I'm still working on loving them through situations. I'm yeah. so- <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm working on it. Okay, well. So I just want to ask one more question. I'm glad you said that because it brought up this issue. So lots of times, uh, Jason and I are joking, but sometimes kids are the ish- the reason of divorce. Do you ever, <laughs> you know, So, and I say that, you know, in a way because sometimes kids will play one parent against the other and, you know, we end up in relationships. What do you think about that real quick? You know, just... No, it's true. And and often in blended families, for sure. Oh, that, that families, but, but, you know, they shouldn't play one against the other. And that's when communication among the parents, even in divorced parents, you have to be aligned because that child can, you know, definitely play one against the other or get his way, uh, you know, or her way. And, um, you know, yeah, it can be very tough. And that's where the parents have to be completely aligned. Communication. Yeah. For sure. It's key. 
kids will try to play you. Well, and thank a lot you of times so- parents want to try to get one over on the other parent, you know, so they, so they be the <laughs> nice guy, the nice parent, right? And that, that causes a lot of friction. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is so much. But Sabrina, we really appreciate you being on. And you said you run workshops, you have um, coaching and, and all types of things you do. Tell everyone how they can get in contact with you or be a part of your workshops and things of that nature. Well, they can right now they can go to my page on the Cronin Law Firm's website, Sabrina Sheehan Cronin. I have a planning page there. Uh, soon I have a website in the works, so soon that'll be there. But they can sign up for workshops there. Um, they can find me online. I'm on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, I have Sabrina Sheehan Cronin personal pages as well as the Cronin Law Firm pages. So um, I'm pretty much kind of out there. So I'd love to get calls or emails, whatever it is that they'd like to, uh, you know, how they want to connect with. And I, I really would love to be of service to anyone who's willing and ready and able to make a change. That sounds fantastic. And you well, we, and you practice law in Michigan, yes, Illinois, which is where we are, and yeah. New York. Yes, yes. And I have other members of my firm that practice in other states as well. Uh, and I, of course, can be a consultant and a, or a coach in any state. And I've I've often helped a lot of clients in other states who are going through divorce on a consulting perspective um, on how to talk to their lawyer, how to ask the right questions how to draft an email or take that extra time that they need so that their legal bills are not escalated tenfold. Sounds fantastic. Oh, well, guys, thank that, you, that's, Sabrina, that's so worth much. the uh, price of admission right there. I mean, yeah, yeah. we all need a little help navigating through it, especially the difficult times. If we're going through something like that, guys, if you're going through anything, you have any questions, you need to better yourself, please hit her up. Yes. And I know sometimes people, you know, as simple as it may sound, you know, helping people draft an email, there are people who actually need those services. They do not know how to draft it up, what they should say, what should be presented. So oh, they know we they know how to draft it up, <laughs> but it may not be something you want to send. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I help with text messages, anything, whatever they wanted to help, whatever they need their help with. So, yeah, for sure. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then they can call me too. the office number is 248-258-3500. Or eight five five call Cronin. So okay, all right. Say say the number one more time. Eight five five call Cronin. C A L L C R O N I N. Or the the local number is two four eight two five eight thirty five hundred. Thank you, thank you. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So once again, thank you very much. Hold on, just one second. And as always, we're we're in it to to win it. it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Loving Beyond the I Do podcast. Head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legendary Relationship or visit our website at LegendaryRelationship.com. Till next time, remember to make every day count.